Whether you're fly fishing in a stream, getting those ankles wet, or deep in the ocean casting nets, fish nerds. Fish nerds. Fish nerds. It's a podcast. Just for the halibut! Fry it in a basket or broiled in a pan. Eat it raw like you're in Siam. Fish nerds. Fish nerds. Fish nerds. It's a podcast. Welcome to the Fish Nerds Podcast, the award-winning show about fish, fishing, and eating fish. That's always interesting, usually funny, and mostly true. I'm Zoe Clay's kid, and I am happy to be here today. Hey, and I'm Clay Groves, Chief Executive Fish Nerd of the podcast. Also, happy to be here. I'm everyone's best friend, and uh, thank you so much for listening. Now, a little fun, fun thing tonight. Zoe and I, nothing's working right, so we're sharing a microphone. I'm drinking beer. She's complaining about my breath, and we're going to have a super good time. Today on the show, of course, we have Zoe here, so we're going to hear from Zoe in a little bit. But more importantly, like anything can be more important than Zoe on the show, we're going to talk about um, a fishy scam. Someone tried to rip me off, Zoe. Can you believe that? Yes. Yeah, you can totally believe it. We're going to talk about that. We're going to play a little bit of uh, a little bit of internet theater. So we're now going to do some acting for you tonight. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. We're going to, of course, we'll do some fish mm-hmm. in the news. Uh, we got a call from another inventor. Everyone is inventing something new tonight. We're going to talk to our friend about his new... Uh, outrigger invention called Spreadum. And Hugo is back. He has killed another animal just for us. Uh, so it's going to be a, a very, very good night. Uh, Zoe, how are you? I'm good. Good. When was the last time you went fishing? A couple weeks ago because I'm in school now, yeah. which is awesome. I love school. I know school you is do. the best thing in the world. I know. Yeah, stay in school, kids. Uh, Zoe does love school. Uh, her last trip, actually, everyone heard on the podcast last week when we were fishing with uh, with your Gigi. And she caught that rainbow trout. All right. So, hey, first up, Zoe, the very first thing we're going to do is talk about a little bit of a scam. Do you know what scam means? I think a scam is um, is when somebody's trying to take your money by cheating you out. That's exactly right. Someone was trying to take my money. Okay. So. Uh, what we're going to do tonight is we're going we're gonna to read you a little bit of a... T- I started with a text message uh, from a guy named Alejandro. And so we're going to do a little theater tonight. So I'm going to do the voice of Alejandro, and you're going to do my voice. So uh, we have a script in front of us. Uh, it's actually just screen grabs from, my, from, my, uh, from the uh, scam itself. And we'll do a little acting for you so you'll get to understand it. I'll stop every so often, fill in the blanks of some, some holes in it. And then I would love to hear from fish nerds, what would you have said in this situation? So uh, I, I got first to tell you before I got that, I was so excited to get this first text. And let me read it. Uh, this is all done by text. So I have it all in writing, which is great. And by the way, feel free to call Alejandro. His numbers love you call him up and maybe try to sell him something. That'd be really funny. It'd <laughs> so, be hilarious. Hilarious. Alejandro. So let me uh, do his voice on text. I'm just pretending he had a voice here. Good morning. This is Alejandro. I would like to know if you do offer fishing guild lesson. <laughs> well, I'm not sure if I understand your question. Can you clarify? I do. <laughs> I have a British accent. Wonderful. All right. Okay. Good to hear from back to you. 
I want to book an appointment for my son, some fishing guide at your place for five days, and I will be very much delighted to know if you can have that handle for me. I don't have a place, just a boat, and you should call me. (laughs) (laughs) And then Alejandro says, can I call you now? Sure. Okay, so he called me. He actually called me and talked to me on the phone. We talked about 10 minutes. And in that call, I understood about seven words. So I said, uh, Alejandro, I'm so excited to talk to you. I'd love to take your kids fishing, but I need to understand what you're looking for. So why don't I email you a series of questions? So then he texted me his email address. By the way, if you want to send him some email, I recommend attaching uh, porn or dirty pictures Bad stories. Don't do that. To productive, very nice. Productive zero zero nine US at gmail dot com. So that's productive zero zero nine US at gmail dot com. By the way, at this point, I already was thinking there's something squeaky about this. That's a weird email. That's a weird email. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I emailed him a list of questions. Conveniently. <laughs> Conveniently, he uh, actually used my email and the text back to me. So you do my line here, Zoe. I just sent you an email. I went from English to French. Yeah. All right. All right. So I said, I said, I just sent an email. He goes, okay, let me check. So I want to make sure we are super clear. This is, this is my email. I'm going to do it in my own voice. So I want to make sure it's super clear. Uh, and I am offering what you are asking. That's my email. I, and I said, you wanted five, six-hour fishing days with two kids, 13 and 16-year-olds. We talked about this on the phone. Is that correct? He writes, yes. Is that correct? He says, yes. Have they ever been fishing, I asked. He says, no. What style of fishing do you want them to learn? He says, no preference. What kinds of fish do you want them to catch? He says, no preference. Is there a special fishing trip with you they are preparing for? No. So then I ask do you want five days in a row or five days between now and the end of September? He says, yes, five days in a row. This is still the email. Uh, can they get to the lake? We are fishing by 6 a.m. Conway Lake, Silver Rossby. He says, yes. Uh, by the way, on the phone, he also said they were staying in our town. So I told him, normally I charge three seventy-five for six hours, a total of eighteen seventy-five, and I'd be happy to discount by $200 and charge you sixteen seventy-five. When do you want to start? He'd write 17 to 21. Uh, and I say, let me know if there's more. If he needs more information, he goes, no more. Uh, and then, and then I answer back. I can do it Tuesdays at eighteen, but I can do it Sunday, <laughs> the sixteenth, and Monday the seventeenth, and Wednesday the nineteenth. Actually, how I sound. And Thursday the twentieth, and Friday the twenty-first, a.m. till noon. All these dates. Then he says, <laughs> "Is that grand total cost sixteen seventy five?" Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Sounds good and very much satisfied with price and quite affordable. Just to show some seriousness, I am ready to make the full payment now with my credit card, so you can secure the appointment for me. And I hope you accept all forms of credit cards. I'll send you a payment link when I get back to my office. (laughs) Okay, sounds good. I will also like to know the name of the merchant you are going to use to run my card due to the CC Merchant Services charges as fee percent. 
before I send you a bill, I'd like to chat with your kids and make sure this is going to work. I hate to sell you something I cannot deliver. You said they were in North Conway. <laughs> Can we set up a meeting at the coffee shop? Right. So I was, at this point, sure there was a scam. So I, I before I do anything else, if his kids really were, were in North Conway, and of course, I'm, I'm hoping to sell this trip. I want to make some money. So I wish, if, if his kids really were staying, living in North Conway, which we told me on the phone, I should be able to meet them in person. And so I wasn't willing to give him any information to, sell, to give me a credit card or anything like that. So this goes on. Uh, he says, yes. I said... Great! I'll put you on the calendar so I'll keep those dates open. How do we set this meeting up? <laughs> and he goes, Please, I need a little favor from you, for you. I'm going to be glad if you can render me the favor for me. And of course, in my head, I'm thinking, All right, Nigerian prince scam. Do you know the Nigerian prince scam, Zoe? I have no clue what you're So the Nigerian about. print scam goes like this. Usually it's a landlord. They, they email you and they say, I would like for me to rent your apartment. And you say, great. Here's how much it costs. And you tell them it's like a thousand bucks. And they go, wonderful. I will send you $20,000. No, $20, you cash the check, pay the apartment, mail me back another check in the difference, and then I'll move in later. And, of course, you cash that check. The check is fraudulent. You've mailed that cash back to somebody else, and you've lost all that money. It's a classic scam. That's a scam he's trying to pull. I still don't understand. That's okay, because the listeners will. He says, what? What do I say? What's the favor? All right, so, so that, and then an hour after I say, what's the, or, what's the favor? He says, okay, that is fine. The favor is concerning the private driver bringing the boys to you every day for five days. And he's not having access to a credit card. And I need to pay him this summer $3,200 so he can book the date for me. So I would like you to help me. And I'm like, oh, cripes. And so I'm like trying to end this now. What do I say? I'm sorry. I cannot help you. Right. He doesn't care. He goes, here is the favor I need from you. I'm going to give you my credit card and charge you now. You will charge this sum of 4975 So when your fund has been cleared into your account, you will deduct your service payment of 1165 with extra commas. And am giving you the additional $100 for business tip, making 1775 once the fund's clear, you will help me to send the remaining three thousand two hundred. Will go to the private driver account through via cash deposit. As soon as he receives his fees, I will be making your remaining down payment. Let me know if you don't understand, so I can explain it to you much better to you. Thank you. As saw is coming. The perfect scam. Forget it, and we will be sending you your phone number and email to the authorities. Right. So you think? So I said, right. I saw it coming. I'm trying like think of something clever to say and I couldn't but I wanted to get away from this phone call uh, <clears throat> and that's it uh, and then like a couple hours later, later he just he, he's texting back and says oh thank you for your time you know very strange again feel free to text him dirty pictures 579 please don't feel free to email productive 009 US at gmail.com tell him uh, tell him the fish nerds love him I don't think they do did you understand that scam which is what he was trying to do Zoe he was trying to make you the person who had the fault on that credit card because he stole it, probably. He stole an ID. 
I think you got it on the money. He was trying to make music stolen credit card, take some cash, send it back to him. Uh, gosh, his driver was getting paid more than I was, though. I didn't charge him nearly enough money. $3,000 for someone to drive him back and forth to a lake for five days. That's a, we, that's a lot of dough. 3000 bucks. That's like charging. That's like giving a taxi driver an extra billion dollar tip. <laughs> One billion dollars. <laughs> All right. Well, that was my scam. Uh, if you, if anyone's been in a scam, feel free to call the Fish Nerds Hotline six zero seven three seven eight Fish. Tell us your story. We'd love to share it with everybody. A couple things I want to talk about. Coming up in September, we do a, a book club, Zoe. Do you know about a book club? Mm, yes, I do. Yeah, now, most book clubs are a bunch of people sitting around drinking wine, pretending they read the book. In this book club, we are reading The Dragon Behind the Glass. Now, Jeff Donaldson from the Mid-Continent Public Library chooses the books for the Fish Nerds Book Club, unless a famous author or someone says they want to come on. Uh, and if you want to read this book and be part of it, just buy it. Or go to your local library and take out The, the, the Dragon Behind the Glass. And uh, at the end of September, maybe early October, we will be reviewing this book on the show. And, of course, I always give away the books we review, so that will be up for grabs. Unless he really likes it, then maybe he'll keep it. No, it's gone. I'm going to hate it. <laughs> really? No. News, news, fish in the news. Everybody loves their fish in the news. Fish in the news. <laughs> Everyone loves the fish in the news. we got two stories tonight, and the first one is from the New York Times, and it's a story about love, Zoe. Do you love love? No. Okay. Uh, when a pregnant pipefish dad spots an alluring female, things get weird. This is not a happy love story. So does that mean the dad eats mom, or does the mom eat the dad? <laughs> I like that you immediately go, who dies first? This is actually a, a good story. Uh, so, so pipefish, along with their cousins, seahorses and sea dragons, defy convention in love and fertility. In a striking role reversal, fathers give birth instead of mothers. I knew that um, that happened to seahorses and sea dragons, and I knew these guys were related, so I expected the same. You expected that. So during courtship, females pursue the males with flashy ornaments or elaborate dances, and the males tend to be choosy about which females' eggs they'll accept. Once pregnant, these gender-bending fathers invest heavily in their young, supplying embryos with nutrients and oxygen through a setup similar to the mammalian placenta. But this investment may also be cruelly conditional. According to a new study and uh, proceedings of the Royal Society studying pipefish, scientists found evidence that pregnant fathers spontaneously abort or divert fewer resources to their embry embryos when faced with the prospects of a superior mate. In this case, an exceptionally large female. Did you understand that sentence? That means if the dad gets a new girlfriend, he does not take care of the babies as much anymore. Exactly. The researchers named their finding the Women in Red Effect after the eponymous 1984 Gene Wilder film about a married man's obsession with a woman in a red dress that became damaging to the family life. So essentially, you're exactly right. So they found that these pipefish, once pregnant, if they found a better-looking girl, ditched their eggs or their embryos, and and went after the next the next lady. How do you feel about that? That the dudes are stupid. <laughs> oh come on, they're so cute though. They are absolutely adorable. Yeah, but they're stupid. Yeah, I know they're stupid. They're just fish, right? <laughs> so uh, anyway, that's that's essentially the. Um, 
the whole story. Um, <laughs> so, so um, that's it. Uh, so, what if people did that, Zoe? I would be sad. Mm-hmm. Well, good thing there's nobody around as good looking as mom, or we'd be in trouble. Because maybe I just like say, "See you guys." You would not. You would not do that. There's a lady in a red red dress. I'm out of here. That would never happen. No, don't worry about it. But one never knows. So that's that's these guys. Uh, fun fact um, about seahorses, and I think pipefish yeah, about their hunting. Zoe, what do you know about them? They're the most precise hunters in the planet. Yeah, on the animal kingdom, they are one of the most yes. accurate. Yeah, so like 97% accuracy in their hunting. Because they, and they eat like small planktons and zeloplanktons mostly. Yeah, I hope you're right. I have no idea. <laughs> I haven't done that much research. Now, uh, in an unrelated story, uh, on the internet, all over the internet this week, was a story about a fish who passed the mirror test. Do you know what the mirror test is? No. No. <laughs> no. I don't know. So the mirror test is, if I put a blue dot in your forehead and I hold a mirror up to you, what will you do? I will look at the blue I will look at the blue dot. Yeah. And you're trying to like wipe it off, right? So that's the mirror test. And so they do it with all kinds of animals to see if, they, if they're aware themselves. It's self-awareness. If you're self-aware, you look in the mirror, you see that yourself and you go, oh, that's me in the mirror. And finally, a fish passed the mirror test. Now, not knowing anything about this, I called up Doc Martin. You know Doc Martin. Yes, I do. And she's wonderful, right? Yes. Uh, and good human. Would you agree she's a good human? Yes. One of the best. Yes. Uh, I called Doc Martin at Emporia State University, uh, who's an expert on these matters, and had her fill us in on the mirror test and how it relates to the cleaner wrasse, which is the fish who passed the mirror test. Would, would uh, Sammy pass the mirror, mirror test, do you think? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, thanks for keeping me around here. <laughs> uh, we, we love having you on. And uh, so so before we get any further, this, this, this story we're going to share is from Newsweek, but it was been shared in every kind of uh, you know newspaper, magazine, NPR. All, yes. all the stories are talking about. It's a big deal. The headline is, is a fish just passed a test of self-awareness by recognizing itself in a mirror. So can, before we get further, what is the self-awareness test? Sure. So um, just an interest of full disclosure, I've never actually done like the mirror test on any animals. This is not something that I personally study. I am aware of it only because it is so incredibly famous in the mm-hmm. animal world. Um, and, and basically, you can kind of see this. Um, if those of you that have children, so when they're really, really little and they see a mirror for the first time, they think it's like their friend and they do like really cute things. There's some YouTube videos on it where they try to find each other and find the person behind the mirror and they get really confused. And eventually they get to an age where they realize it's themselves. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's that, that self-awareness. Um, and it By the way, out- we're connecting over Zoom right now. Do you find <laughs> your own video distracting from the conversation? Oh, I'm not. Actually, looking at it. So, um, what I'm also doing is terrible. So, uh, on the Fish Nerds podcast page, I was asked if a guy getting stung in the penis by a stingray was factual. Mm -hmm. So, I went and Googled it, but I found an article on 
National Geographic of why human penises lost their spines. So that's what I'm looking at right that's now. That's way more interesting. <laughs> Incidentally, uh, we're recording this before release, but <laughs> it'll be last week's show. We'll have the story of the uh, penis getting stabbed by the, uh, by the stingray. So we do have that oh. story. It is. We are current. <laughs> Excellent. So you might have already done the research on to whether this is factual or not. Oh, I don't care if it's factual or not. I love <laughs> oh, the story. No. Yeah, that oh, doesn't matter one bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm, oh, yeah, I'm trying to figure out if this is the real deal or if this is some kind of weird internet but- shenanigans. Well, I mean, I look, just, it, I just Googled like five seconds ago. Yeah, so I mean, I clicked through because it said penis and stingray. And <laughs> what choice did I have? That's perfect clickbait, right? So, Absolutely. <laughs> all right. So back to the cognition test. How yes. do a fish, how does a fish or any animal, how do they determine, do they recognize themselves in a mirror? Sure. So that is complicated. Um, Basically, it's some kind of thing where they, they put something on the animal that would not normally be there. So they're, they're looking to see if that uh, animal will like look in the mirror and then try to re- remove that or fix something um, to say that that animal recognizes that what they're looking at is not a competitor or a similar looking animal of the same species. Okay, and that's what they did with this fish, the cleaner. Is it a wrasse? Is that how you say it? Cleaner wrasse? Cleaner wrasse, yes. And they did is they put a little blue tag or something on this fish. Yeah, so, well, they did did a couple different kinds of tags. Um, Their experiment was actually pretty clever. Um, I have, so I think... Clay, you asked me to look into this last night, kind of late. Yeah. Well, um, I don't I, like you to be, I don't like, if I give you too much time, we, we run out of, the whole podcast becomes one story. So yes. we try so, to condense. Um, I have <laughs> looked over this for maybe nine whole minutes. Excellent. Um, excellent. That's, that's my, my style. Oh no, it's terrible. <laughs> um, so it is the cleaner ass of the Labrides dimidiatus. So it's a protogenous hermaphrodite. Oh, yeah. Fun word. So protogenous, they're born female. They can change to male later. Can they change Um, back? Oh, I don't know. Usually, usually no. Okay. Yeah, it's a one-way street. I think so. Um, But for these guys, I'm not overly familiar with the cleaner wrasse, so I'd have to look it up. Mm -hmm. Um, But they used 10 um, small fish. They wanted them small, so they made sure that they were, in fact, female. Mm -hmm. Because since they change as they age, smaller fish are female. Um, and, uh, interestingly, I fed, I, I, I fed, oh gosh, I found <laughs> that they do admit that the way the mirror is presented to the animal is very important. So, um, the, the, the duration that the mirror is there, the exact timing that the mirror is introduced, the position of the mirror, the size of the mirror, the shape of the mirror, all of these, these different things can actually influence the outcome of the test. So they used one type of mirror. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, I have no concept of if that was an appropriate choice or not. I I don't know. Um, So like you could use a hand mirror or compact mirror, makeup mirror, rear view um, mirror. (laughs) (laughs) Just put a little car in there. Yeah. Um, The one with the little lights behind it so you can see yourself better. Yeah. And the little flippy thing, so if the yeah. sun gets in your eyes, you can put the shade on. Exactly. Um, but they do give the dimensions of the mirror, you know, and they put it in the same place in experimental tanks and da-da-da-da-da. Um, so there is the consistency there. I have no idea if that size is a good size for cleaner wrasse. I don't know the answer to that. Okay. Um, 
Then they did a series of experiments. So they experiment one, everything was recorded by video camera, and then they used snippets of those recordings to decide what the behaviors were and if they were kind of unique behaviors that they hadn't seen before. Okay. Um, so, you know, the first experiment is basically they just put them in there. There's the mirror, but it's covered up and they're, they're swimming around and they see what a normal fish is doing. Um, and then they remove it so the fish can see itself in the mirror, but does not have a mark yet. And then they do an experiment where they add a mark, but the mark is not colored. So it's transparent. Okay. So that way they're testing, can it actually feel the mark on its skin versus seeing it in the mirror? Exactly. Okay. That's um, what I Yeah. Yes. And so they did that. And then they put in a mark, but there was no mirror there. So just to see if, hey, if we put this mark in and it's the colored mark for some reason, are they going to do weird behavioral things anyway? So they're having that control in the experiment. That's good. Yeah, so a couple different kinds of controls. Yeah. Um, they did notice that a few of their fish were doing, they, they considered uh, self-awareness, the facial scraping, which they attributed to the fish looking at itself, seeing the mark, and then trying to remove that mark. That's well, the facial scraping. something in my teeth? <laughs> yes. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> However, they did see fish doing that, the facial scraping, prior to any kind of marking. Mm. Just a couple. Mm -hmm. But it still did exist, not as prevalent as after marking. So, um, but finally, their last to fifth experiment is obviously the, the colored mark with the mirror. Okay. okay. And then this all takes time and they have all the different ways of exactly how the mark was done. It's kind of like pit tagging. So it's like an injection underneath uh, their skin. I think they did some on the head, mm -hmm. kind of up in between the eyes and then underneath the throat. Um, but I, I don't know which ones they actually ended up analyzing or if this was like a pre-test and I'm not really sure because I right. didn't get to that point. Um, and this is just one one experiment. This has not been put through peer review yet. This is just an initial. Um, um, so this is in peer review. So this will this is by so the actual title is Cleaner Rasp Pass the Mark Test. What are the implications for consciousness and self awareness testing in animals? The lead author is Masanori Koda mm -hmm. um, and and others. There's a list of uh, about seven authors, and this will be in the Plus Biology P O P. L O S biology. Um, I think they just put it out on the internet for now. Okay. Cause uh, the, the, the article I'm reading says the research has not been peer reviewed yet. So it has not been scrutinized by other scientists. The results yeah. we present here will by nature lead to controversy and dispute. And we welcome the discussion. The researchers wrote. Yep. So it looks like it, it's been submitted somewhere. I'm not sure where it is at in the review process. Okay. So let's, let's, let's pretend Okay. Let's pretend that this passes all the muster of peer review mm -hmm. and all, let's say, a majority of the fishy scientists build this consensus around this one experiment. They've all done the experiment, they repeated it, and it turns out this fish shows self-awareness. So what? What are the implications of this? Great question. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, and, and what does that mean? So uh, I guess... We know as humans what we think of as self-awareness, right? Right. Yeah, so we, we are self-aware, or at mm -hmm. least that's what we have decided to call it. Sure. And so because of that, that we experience things and we feel things about the world and we think certain ways. And, you know, to us, self-awareness means that we can 
you know, we know what we're doing. We know what we look like. We are aware how others perceive us and all of the kind of stuff that goes along with that. Um, is it reasonable that if a fish can recognize itself in the mirror as similarly to how a human might recognize themselves in the mirror, mm-hmm. that the fish interprets that in the same way. Right. So what does I don't, it mean to the fish, right? Right. I mean, does, does that mean that these fish have emotions and this uh, awareness of the world around them the way that we do, um, I would be hard pressed to say one way or the other. Uh, There's definitely two big camps in science. There's, Mm -hmm. I think it's Balcombe, uh, Malcolm Balcombe, maybe. Does he write Um, the, did he write that book? uh, What fish feel or how fish feel or whatever it was. Yep. Yep. Um, That came out in what, I think 2015. Haven't got him on the show yet. I've reached out to him a number of times, but. Oh, well you should. That'd be really, that'd actually be really good. But his camp is like, you know, fish have feelings. Like they, they feel pain, they feel this and you know, they have complex thoughts and uh, he uses the example of electric fishes and that kind of stuff to say they have hierarchy and kind of the social order. Um, And it's, it's not, it's not unconvincing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it sure. sounds pretty good. Like there's real science that's been peer reviewed to kind of back that up. They, they create uh, stress hormones when you put them under situations that we think should stress the fish. So they are feeling something. Um, but does it really register in the way that we register it as humans? And, right, because our brain is translating these right. feelings, these emotions into deeper kind of thoughts, and we can't project what other animals are thinking. Right. Mm-hmm. We cannot We cannot anthropomorphize. But it's so fun. Other animals. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And it's really interesting. So it's not that it's bad research or it's wrong or we shouldn't be pursuing this or anything like that. Um, it's genuinely interesting and and what if fish could perceive stimuli in the way that humans do I mean, what does that mean for a fish i mean that's yeah and does it change anything i mean we still right would you like, still be doing the things that you're doing if animals had self-awareness uh, well and that's the question has <laughs> any other animal passed this test i didn't google this up had you yes you of, yes yeah, okay. um oh shoot the uh seven seven animals um mostly birds and mammals mm-hmm, that makes sense um then there's the fish let's see and there's something else i think there's a few mammals a couple birds the fish and then a thing that i can't remember a sponge sponge probably not a sponge <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> They'd be the best sponge ever. But, but it is really rare. Orangutans, chimpanzees, gorillas, bottlenose dolphins, elephants, orcas. I guess that's a mammal. So It I is guess. a mammal. Yeah. Uh, this is from a quick Google search. It's hard to know if this is accurate even, you know, because this is uh, from the yeah. world of luciddreaming.com. Oh, uh, good. So- <laughs> <laughs> oh, and yeah. <laughs> so I don't know about but that. It, but it seems to be, but if, if you were guessing animals, you would guess primates you would guess mm-hmm. birds and you would guess dolphins and whales i mean that those are the when you think of smart animals right those are kind of what we think of so even the mirror test is a projection of what we think 
what we think self-awareness looks like anyway. So right. it's our own projections and the, all by itself, the mirror test is an a human anthropomorphizing thing. of, a, of animals, just the test all by itself. Yep. You know, uh, so interesting. Now, yeah. if you met a fish that knew itself, would you still catch it? Well, Clay, as you, you know like from know. coming up with you over the summer, that I don't I even know why you bought a fishing lessons. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did. I threw your pole out once or twice the mm-hmm. one time, and then yeah. I didn't anymore. Yeah. Um, but no, I am. I I'm the mask and snorkel fish appreciator, not mm-hmm. the hook and line fish appreciator. Um, so I'm sure that this will make a lot of our fans cringe, but I'm very much the do no harm. Like I just love all the animals and I think they're wonderful. And so, um, you know, I, I think personally that if you don't have to hurt them, then you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know that there's been a big debate on the fish nerds about, you know, does fishing cause pain? Is it yes. mean? I know, uh, I read Talbot. I love his interactions He's with the, the fans best. about well, what does mean mean? Uh, right. And all of those definitions. He's impossible though. Like you can't, you just can't talk to him, but he's great. So. <laughs> oh no. So it's my favorite to Cause his questions are so good and they really get to the core of, He's being really picky about it, but it's the right kind of picky because you have to define those terms because you can't answer a question unless you really know what you're talking about. And if you ask, is fishing mean? Well, what do you consider mean? And does a fish consider that mean in the same way? Right, because the word mean is is projection again. That's exactly human emotion on a fish doesn't work. Right. Wow. So a lot to unpack in this. We answered no questions. Uh, no, I think this I have is lots of new questions. All right, let's let's get those quick, and then we're going to have to get out of this conversation, or we'll be here all day. So, what new questions does this arise? For us, I mean, what up to, to to solve this problem? What do we need to explore further? Sure. So, for dealing specifically with this study, yeah. um, my biggest concern was a small sample size. They only used ten fish, and they did kind of a repeated experiment with just those ten. So they trained those ten fish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, or whatever. That's just a that's a pretty small sample size to make some pretty big conclusions. Mm-hmm. Um, they also, and this is, might be mine, they have supplemental information, which I haven't looked at. They do provide statistics, which is moderately convincing. But if you want to have a discussion on p-values, um, I would have really liked to have seen maybe some effect sizes and some really um, convincing graphs and figures. Uh, they have a couple in here again, and maybe this is just me not being ha- having the time to go over their stuff thoroughly, but I would really like to see how big those differences really are, which such a small sample size. I think that's really important. Um, I think it makes sense that they chose the cleaner wrasse. Cleaner wrasse have really good vision. They are known for picking uh, parasites and things off of other fish. So, um, you know, vision is a really big deal when it comes to this. So if you have a fish whose vision isn't great, um, does that mean that they can't pass the mirror test because oh, they it, can't use a mirror? I want a blind human. Are they not self-aware? Right. Mm, I mean, weird. obviously you want to say the blind human. Yeah, of course you're self-aware because we're humans, right? But for a fish, I mean, how does that translate? Like if you take a blind cave fish and like a normal cave fish, maybe they can see really well or whatever. You pick something that's really close. They pass the mirror test. Do you make an assumption then that the blind counterpart would also therefore have to pass the mirror test, assuming they could see? I don't know. Um, 
Yes. That's, that's my question. <laughs> Always assume. That's our motto. <laughs> no, that's a no, terrible I mean... <laughs> motto. I did not condone that model. <laughs> but so, yeah, I mean, I think this is really interesting. Um, I would like to, I don't, I don't know the answer to this. I, I wonder if there's other ways to find out about self-awareness beyond the classic mirror test. Yeah. Cause sometimes these classic, these classic things are classic for a reason, you know, they just, they're fun to talk about like classic mm-hmm. Coke or, you know, like they just, <laughs> with the real cocaine. <laughs> but yeah. But then no one really wants it back. <laughs> yeah. Please. No, thank you. <laughs> All right. Hey doc, thanks so much for your time. And, sure. and if people want to find you or talk to you, where's the best place to do that? Um, you can go on the fish nerds podcast, Facebook page where I'm a member and you can find me on there. My profile name is doc Martin, since mm-hmm. that's what y'all call me. And you can tag me on there. If you just post on the Facebook page, I try to keep up with it, but I don't always. But if you do tag me in it, that way I can go and find it later. Um, that's really helpful. If you don't know how to do that, there's enough people on there that know how to tag me that they'll figure it out. <laughs> we almost always tag you if we see something that we need your brain on, and uh, which is usually dumb stuff. But it's fun. <laughs> that's the dumb stuff is like the best stuff sometimes. So much fun. <laughs> Thanks, Doc. Yep. Thanks. This episode is brought to you by you, our listeners, over at Patreon.com. Patreon is a crowdfunding site that helps us fund this show. If you like this show, we're asking all listeners to give us a dollar an episode. So did you know if every listener gave us a dollar an episode, that's $4 a month, I could quit all my jobs and make a full living as a podcaster. And I'd have money to pay someone to edit my show for me and produce it for me and make it the show we want to make. So Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash fish nerds. Help us fund this. If you give us $25 an episode, I'll say the name of your business on the show. Our friend Josh Lopes at LopesTax.com did just that. So thank you, Josh, at LopesTax.com for your money. We need it. It matters. It makes a difference. We have different prize levels, our different award levels, and of course, we'll be giving away prizes. Uh, we'll do random drawings every month from the Patreon hat and giving away a prize. Uh, so, so get in there, help us out. But more importantly than getting your prizes, one dollar matters. Give us a dollar. Give us a freaking dollar. Is freaking a bad word? Yes. Okay. Excellent. This show is also brought to you by Glasswater Lead Free Lures. Do you know that company? Yes, that's the one that Crappy Hippie does. The Crappy Hippie, the crappiest of all hippies. John King sent us some glass water lead-free lures, and uh, and uh, here's a little ad from him. Hello, Fish Nerd Nation. This is John King, the Crappy Hippie, founder of Glasswater Lead-Free Lures. And in honor of the great time we had doing episode 203, we are offering Fish Nerd Nation a special deal. You go to our website, glasswaterleadfreelures.com, Enter the coupon code FISHNERD, that's capital F, small I-S-H-N-E-R-D, all one word, FISHNERD, and you get 20% off your entire order. That includes our incredible new lure, Angle King. Thank you to Clay for giving us a forum for lead-free fishing discussion, and thanks to everybody for sharing the podcast and all the kind words. This is Crappie Hippie wishing you tight lines and valentines. Peace out. All right, it's invention time here on the Fish Nerds. Uh, we might give this name a segment. We need a name for the invention segment. I think invention time is a good one. It is. How about the... It um, needs to be fishier. How about... Um, so there's a show on TV called Shark Tank, right? How about... And a lot of people who come on our show eventually get on Shark Tank and sell their ideas. What do you call a baby shark? 
pup. How about shark pup tank? That sounds extremely terrible. All right, let's work on that name a little bit. But here's our here's our <laughs> here's our segment on in- fishing inventions. All right, fish nerds, uh, it's Clay. I'm back, and gosh, it seems like I'm doing a series on like famous inventors or inventors that someday will be famous. And this week, I'm actually hanging with an old friend, uh, Michael Willett, who I've known for. Gosh, I must have seen him at different fishing expos for the last like four or five years. He uh, His website is a fish or hook, line, and sinker. But he's here today with his newest invention. He, by the way, he's always inventing things. He's got all kinds of crazy, not crazy, actually really good inventions on his website. But this one is is actually, I think, could be the, the million-dollar idea. It's called the Spreadum, S-P-R-E-A-D-E. E.M. Spreadum. Uh, Michael, welcome to the podcast. And this idea, you actually talked to me last year about, last, I think it was um, January, February, at the Rockingham uh, Fishing Expo, and you wouldn't show it to me. But now you've unveiled it, you've launched your uh, your fundraising campaign for it, so let's have it. What is Spreadum? Well, Spreadum, um, I have a boat. Uh, I always uh, like trolling, and I'm one of those envious guys. Uh, you see the the nice boat with the bimini, and they have these uh, outriggers on the boats. Uh, well, I don't have anything fancy like that, but uh, I always was curious about outriggers, especially affordable ones. I looked into what they have on the market. They're fixed and, and very expensive, and uh, I'm on a budget, so I decided to think outside the box and came up with Spreadum. And uh, it's a portable outrigging system. And it goes uh, 10 and a half, 15 and a half, and 18 and a half feet off the side of your boat. So All you can, they work. You, you could be fishing off both sides of your boat, theoretically, like like 40 feet or 30 feet apart from each other, right? Like depending on how wide your boat uh, is. Uh, it would be 18 and a half off each side. So that'd be 36 feet uh, off your boat. You can cover a lot of water that way. (laughs) You can cover a lot of water. The thing is, is um, when I troll, uh, most of the trolling has to happen in the back of the boat where the engine is. Either it's a downrigger, which you can run those, or floating line running off the back of your motor but you're very limited on how many lines you can put out there. So I've designed the, the spreadum where basically at 10 and a half feet, you can add an, uh, an, a line sticking out the side of your boat. 15 and a half feet, you can have two or 18 and a half, you can have three. And I usually recommend about five feet in between each uh, line, but um, it works slick as can be. That's that's really cool. Now, can you so so this is something that you, that you've taken that already kind of on the market like out, outriggers exist already and telescoping ones already exist. So, what is different about yours? What's like what well, makes yours uh, like stand out from the rest? What's what makes yours better? Well, um, cost mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, um, my material on the the rod itself is carbon fiber, like everybody else's. Um, they don't function together. I designed a special guide system that slides on and off the telescoping rod, but it has a 
rubber grommet that uh, basically protects the, the coating of the rod. Uh, but it allows um, the user to use any size he wants. And it all comes pre-done. Uh, it's color-coded, co so the pulley system works at different uh, colors. Um, it's all compact. It fits in a 38-inch uh, case, uh, high plastic, very durable, uh, but you can take it everywhere. The, the ones that they have on the boats now are fixed, so you can't collapse them. You can't store them. You can't take them on vacation with you. So uh, that's what I tried to do. And you did it. So congratulations, by the way. It's, it's really hard to get these Thanks. things to the point you've got them at. Everyone has these million-dollar ideas, and the hardest thing is taking that idea and getting it to market. So now you've got a, a crowdfunding campaign. You're trying to get it going to bring this to market. Is that right? You're up. Um, you're on a GoFundMe uh, page now? Yeah, I have a GoFundMe page. Uh, actually, um, we launched a video uh, showing uh, how the spreadum works, but not many details, just uh, talking about it. And 61,000 people saw the video. Um, when they went to check it out, it was, um, they had trouble navigating the funding thing. So we made it a little simpler, and we're at GoFundMe right now. Uh, and we also, you can also pre-order the, uh, the spreadum. Um, on the official hook, line, sinker site. Yeah, and of course, uh, we'll have the uh, links up in the show notes at fishners.com or on your podcasting app. Scroll down, click on the on the hook line, official hook, line, and sinker button there, and you'll be able to click right through and, and give some money. How much money are you trying to raise? Uh, we're raising about $45,000. Um, that money is going to, towards the patent, uh, some tooling, and some product. Uh, we're hoping to have it on uh, available at the beginning of the year, and we're trying to get into the iCast show Ooh. and uh, and present it to the market. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Right now, it's uh, everything is falling into place. Uh, the printing, uh, the um, forms are being made for the case. Uh, the uh, rod holders are. Uh, doing a 3D printer. I've taken it out. It's like you said, it's been several years since uh, I started doing this and it's a long process of trial and error. Yeah, and you've and, been uh, hinting at this. You've been, every time I talked to you in the last couple of years, I've been hinting at this thing. And so it's exciting to see you finally like get it to the point where you can talk about it and, and uh, really pitch it. So, so, I mean, it's, it's kind of amazing. So you got a, you, you've come a long way in the last few years. I'm excited for you. Well, thank you. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of work, uh, research and development. Of course, you want to try it out and put it through the test of uh, rough water, or smooth water, uh, different conditions. I wouldn't bring it to market unless all the, the uh, little things were taken care of. So it's a quality product. So you've got it out there. Let's, let's talk about the first time you used it. You put it on your boat, you spread it out, you, you probably are on a small boat, right? So you probably, how many lines did you have out the first time? Uh, well, basically it was a trial and error for the different rods. Yes, yeah. I, I, I started with a telescoping rod, uh, very 
It wasn't very far. It was probably uh, uh, 10 feet. But the problem is, is the rod, the telescoping rod was like a fishing pole. Mm -hmm. When you get it out there and you start trolling with something, the rod bends to the point where it's firm, right? Right. My my rod is firm. And, And how did it feel to catch a fish on it for the first time? Well, uh, I always like um, using fly rods mm-hmm. when I troll. Mm-hmm. Um, when it released, what happens is when you're trolling with this outrigger and it releases, it's just uh, um, it has a delay where a fish will come over and hit it and then it'll come back. He'll leave it alone, but he'll hit it and he'll release it. So it has that little. Uh, dead time in the in the water where it's just sitting there because it's released off the outrigger mm-hmm. and uh, it gives that time for the fish to turn right back around and nail it and uh, it's it's always a good time to catch a fish but when you first see it work it was cool it was you must pretty been cool. thrilled about it so what kind of fish was the first fish you got uh, the first fish was a a, a rainbow. Um, I go for trout and, and salmon and and uh, but uh, I've also used it and it's been very productive for bass too because Why you're not? covering an area. Uh, you can run anything you'd normally run off a downrigger. Um, you just have to adjust the clip to hold the more uh, more pressure for spoons or something like that. You can run it off. I usually do a sinking line or a floating line to keep them at different levels, but keeping them apart, you don't have to worry about them getting tangled. That's perfect. Well, it's amazing. So that is official hook line and sinker.com links up at fishners.com to the, uh, to the uh, GoFundMe campaign so that people can, can support it or you can go out to your website and, and pre-purchase it right now. Tell me again when it'll be at the market. When can if I buy if I give you money now? When do I get my stuff? Uh, you'd get it uh, at the beginning of the year. It takes a little. Everybody thinks, well, oh, I, I, I've got um, the manufacturer right in my backyard, and and uh, they're waiting for they're sitting by the phone waiting for me to put my order in. There's a process. It takes a little time to get it all together, mm-hmm. but uh, we feel that we're going to have it uh, in by the uh, end of the year and ready for the spring. And does the package come with two downriggers, one for each side of the boat, or are they going to buy each one separately? They buy it separately, mm-hmm. but the difference is uh, you have the uh, system, which is the three different lengths. It has two rod holders. And again, links up at fishers.com and we encourage Anyone who's ever tried to to bring anything to market or ever wanted to get their own stuff going, support other creators and inventors like Michael because uh, rising tides, we all get there together. So when, when, when the little guys win, the good guys win, we all win. So uh, support your, your local inventor. So thanks, Michael, for your time tonight. Thanks. I appreciate your time, Clay. And we got to hook up, go some ice fishing. It's right around the corner. I'm getting jazzed. And, oh, I can't. And uh, maybe next spring we'll break that baby in on your new boat. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Zoe, do you eat fish? Yes. Yes. Will you eat any kind of fish? No, I won't eat a hammerhead shark, great white shark, and those things. Okay. But, you'll, but if it wasn't endangered, would you maybe eat him? Yes. 
Yes. Robot. says <laughs> yes. Our, our friend Hugo uh, will eat nearly anything. He's our resident seagull. He runs a Facebook page called The Culinary Connection, and he likes to kill things for us. So here's, here's our friend Hugo. How's that for a wonderful sound? I love the sound of um, sizzling. So we're doing some peppers and onions here and some wonderful olive oil. Hey, guys. Hugo Medeiros here, cooking correspondent for the Fish Nerds. So a nice um, August weekend here in Western Massachusetts. Really excited. Uh, just went to the farmer's market nearby with my lovely wife, Vina, um, in Sturbridge. Uh, we got some beautiful, beautiful vegetables and cheeses and pastries. I'm pumped. So right now, guys, I am going to do for us a... Um, so we got the pep- uh, sweet bell peppers and onions... Uh, from from the farm stands, uh, cooking away in some really good olive oil. Uh, if you guys are interested in olive oil, check out this uh, book or audio book called uh, Extra Virginity. It is awesome. It's really uh, mind blowing. It talks about um, just all the um, fraud and corruption and ugly stuff that goes on in the olive oil industry. Um, you know, according to the author. Uh, most of the stuff you see in the grocery store that has the Italian flag and says first cold press 100% pure extra virgin Italian olive oil. Well, a lot of that is a complete hoax, not even made from olives. So I've been uh, for a while on a mission to just, you know, find true pure olive oils that are uh, quality. Uh, one of the tricks is they got to be really young because, uh, well, olive oil is a fruit juice. And it uh, it goes uh, bad, or it, not bad. It just goes weak. So you get if you uh, you know go to a place where you can um, like a gourmet shop or something where you can uh, find good olive oil and look for uh, a date on it. It should have the date it was made or the date it should be used by. If you can find one under uh, one year old, that'd be awesome. Uh, two years old is is okay. Um, but this one, yeah, this one is from. Uh, a local uh, little shop that carries it, and the uh, the guy who sells it to them actually gets it from his family back in Greece, supposedly, and brings it in. And uh, I'm, I'm sure it's true because it is absolutely delicious. So today what we're going to do, this is kind of uh, uh, like a Spanish-type uh, Basque dish, dish, I guess. I'm going to do real simple. We got the peppers and onions. So the other day, oh, I fi- I'm so excited. I finally got back out on salt water for the first time in, I don't know, it feels like at least two months, so maybe six weeks. But yeah, I was really pumped because uh, I got these rotator cuff and, and tendon issues and all this stuff. So uh, I went out, as I mentioned before, I had my, my uh, epiphany, the uh, idea that I came up with where I got super, super light fishing gear. That I can, uh, you know, uh, use on the salt water. So it was awesome. I um, I have this Pen Conflict size 1000 puny little beautiful uh, awesome reel that's tough and tiny. And I got it on this uh, St. Croix uh, rod that I use for freshwater frogging. So it, it's awesome. I mean, the first fish I got, I thought I was going to have a monster black sea bass. And I was laughing with my buddy out there on the water. And uh, I got it in. It was like 15 inches. So it's, but it's a ton of fun. It's a ton of fun. I'm looking to get into, I got into a fluke and sea robin and uh, dogfish and everything. Um, 
Most of them were undersized, so I let them go. The dogfish, you guys know I eat the dogfish and sea robins, and they're wonderful. But uh, it was, they were just so tiny. It's not really uh, worth the effort, getting lazy. Um, so I did bring home a 17-inch, which is pretty decent, good enough, uh, black sea bass. Filet that guy. Let me stir these uh, vegetables over here. So um, sauteing the vegetables, and then I'm going to add some fresh thyme to it. And then this, oh, and I got to get the garlic. I'm going to put tons of garlic in there. And then I'm going to put the fillets on top, plop it into a 400-degree oven, and uh, that's it. Simple as can get. Don't even really need the recipe for that. Saute uh, garlic and onions on a really good olive oil at medium heat. Throw the fish in. Throw it in the oven. Probably going to let it cook maybe 10 minutes, I think, is going to be fine. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped to have uh, beautiful, fresh fish from the ocean that I caught myself here at home. Uh, awesome to find this fresh farmer's market. So, I hope you guys are all doing well. Hugo Medeiros, check it out. Thanks, guys. All right. Hey, one more thing, too. We're running a little contest this month, so we're going to be giving away some glass, some glass, some glass water lead-free lures from John King, the crappy hippie. And to win them, all you got to do is call the show, 607-378-FISH. You got to leave your name where you're from, and give us your fishing pet peeve. What's a pet peeve, Zoe? A pet peeve is something that you really dislike. Uh-huh. So what is a pet peeve about fishing that you have? Not catching fish. That's a good one. I think that no one ever calls him with that one. My fishing pet peeve. So here's how that would look. If you were calling the show, you would pick up your phone, beep, boop, 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 dialing 607-378-FISH, beep, boop, 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 and you would say, I'm Zoe. I'm from Conway, New Hampshire, and my fishing pet peeve is... Not catching fish. Mm -hmm. And mine is slow talkers. Ha! <laughs> so give us a call with some glass water lead free lures. This month, this is going to go all month. At the end of the first show in October, we're going to take all those things. We're going to mix them into the show. The whole show will be callers calling in, and we will pick out a random winner. If you have a company and you want to give a website while you do it, that's fine. We're happy to mention your show, your stuff. So. Six zero seven three seven eight fish. Your fishy pet peeve. We'd like to thank our families for supporting us while we podcast, go fishing, and do the dumb thing that fish nerds do. And we do plenty of them. Special thanks to John King, Hugo Medeiros, Doc Martin, Michael Willette, and Zoe. Thank you for your time tonight. Until next time, follow the code of the fish nerds. Spawn early and often. Never trust a free lunch with strings attached. Swim against the current every chance you get. You made a podcast, Zoe. Congratulations. Whether you're fly fishing in a stream, getting those ankles wet, or deep in the ocean casting nets, fish nerds. Fish nerds. Fish nerds. It's a podcast. Just for the halibut. Fry it in a basket or broiled in a pan. Eat it raw like you're in Siam. Fish nerds. Fish nerds, fish nerds, it's a podcast. Episode uh. 207. <laughs> Your breath smells like beer. Go.